It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Introducing Built to Last, a new podcast by American Express. I'm Elaine Welteroff, and I'm excited to host the debut season where we will be deep diving into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Through these important conversations, we'll hear how the Black business leaders of our past have inspired today's Black-owned small businesses and communities. Join us for the debut season of Built to Last on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. As always, you can find the podcast on the Himalaya podcast app, on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, and other places on the internet. Go check us out. Give us a rating. I haven't asked you to do this for a while. Give us a review if you have the time, if you have the thoughts. We do read those. We will take your feedback into account. We do appreciate all of the ratings and feedback we get. Today, Joe, we've got countdown to kickoff number 67, 67 days until the regular season kicks off. That's Mm -hmm. getting pretty close to two months' time. Yeah, and if you're like me, these months fly by. We've kind of gotten to that point, but I think what Joe's saying is if you have kids and they're always in your hair in the summer, there's no free time, so the days just go. I think it is it. It's got to be true. Someone has to scientifically be able to back this up that the days go by faster as you get older. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Like with science, right? I don't. I I did read the science behind it once, and it's not the 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 explanation that like makes sense is that everything just relatively is less time, right? When you're when you're three years old, one year is a third of your life. Ah, when you're 30 years old, it's one thirtieth of your life. But that's not actually why. There's, there's so some, that's not the answer. No, there's some like hormonal or chemical change, I think, that that impacts the way we perceive time passing. I think. So it's not. So we're not like digesting everything through our brain that we see as a five year old because you know you're going through school the first time you're yeah. six. You're just everything is blowing your mind. I, I think that that's part of it. Right now, you just days go by and you yep. don't even remember a moment from those days. It's true. We'll look it up at the break. After our first break, we'll come back and we'll tell you why time seems to pass faster as an adult, according to the internet. And it's not because you're drunk. Well, it might be. It could be. I mean, you certainly lose time that way, according to people I know who've blacked out. I've never blacked out. Me neither. Not from drinking, at least. All right. Our number 67 on the countdown to kickoff, Joe. Yep. There's another offensive lineman, of course. Can anyone else wear number 60s? I guess the defensive lineman could. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Has there been? Yeah. 
have any defensive linemen in the 60s? I don't think so. Not right now. Just going off my memory, no, I don't think so. I was I did remember some seventies on the defensive line. Carrie Wynn, we did do, but uh, I was gonna say Langston Moore is, is is what I wanted to say. Oh, he already did seven. Niall Scott is sixty nine. We talked about him literally yesterday. Speaking of not remembering things, there it is. <laughs> not planned. Oh man, that's the only one though. That's it, okay. John Miller. The free agent signing from the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills fans weren't too upset to see him go, but he was a third-round pick and a rookie starter for Buffalo. He had a great, relative to his career, second professional season when he graded out at a 70 overall on 1,047 snaps for Buffalo. Lost his job to Vladimir Dukas in 2017. And then started again in 2018. Again, 65, solid starter. Uh, Lost a little bit off his run blocking from his best year in 2016, but has been a solid pass blocker for his last 1,000 snaps in the NFL. Yeah, that's true. And uh, he would be graded as the Bengals' best offensive lineman. It makes you think, is this their biggest free agent move of the offseason? I I think many would say that. And then now I start to say, without Jonah Williams, is this their biggest addition to the team? I mean, it's it's to the team overall? Sure. Think about it. I mean, projecting, we could come back at this and say, oh, no, Drew Sample was. Or we, or we come back and say, oh, no, uh, Jermaine Pratt was. B.W. Webb had a great year. Kerry Wynn, I, I mean, unlikely. Yeah. But point yeah. being is... Jermaine it, Pratt. Yeah, it, it, it could be Jermaine Pratt. But as we say here today, John Miller is their addition. And it's I think it's a lot of his addition by subtraction because Miller is okay. He's a solid starting guard in the NFL. And what they had there at right guard wasn't. And I, and Redmond wasn't the worst. I actually like Redmond a little bit more than Bobby Hart because he is a solid run blocker in terms of power and, and the nastiness he has. the traits, right? Yeah, traits, definitely. And But with that came a lot of over-aggressiveness. And I think that's where he got beaten pass protection. And then the penalties, consistently horrible with penalties. Yeah. And those are two things Miller instantly upgrades, is he's better in pass pro and he takes less penalties. Yeah, Miller has 17 career penalties and almost 3,000 snaps compared to one season, 10-plus for two guys on the Bengals' offensive line. Right, I think uh, I think it was 12 or so. I, I made a video of all of Alex Redmond's penalties. Yeah. Uh, I will say that, like many other guys, Miller was generally very, very good in pass protection, and it does get easier uh, by PFF's grading, at least, when you start going away from tackle. Centers and guards generally don't give up many pressures in PFF system. You think that's adjusted? um, Yes. You know what I'm saying, right? If a center gives up a pressure, it's worse than than a tackle giving up a pressure. Almost yeah. always. Although, there is an article, good segue, to how PFF grades run, bo- run blocking and pass blocking. Two separate articles up there right now. If you're interested in PFF's methodology, go check those out. I find them really interesting because I used to work for PFF. I used to be on that side of the the wall, I guess you would say. And I'd be able to see the play-by-play grades. And I found that on a play-by-play ba- basis, I very rarely saw a play and was like, you know what? I don't agree with that. There were, there were a few. There's a handful, right. right? There's a couple every game. But for the most part, I thought they were pretty good. I came to the same conclusion. I did my own grading for the Bengals, offensive, defensive line, the first year I did it. And I want to say this was like 2010, 
Uh, and I did it for a couple years and for my own keeping because I wanted to learn more about the, those positions anyways. I, it's not often I focus on the trenches before this. And then PFF came along and they get, became more in-depth, more open with the, how they're doing it. And, I, and I'd compare stuff and I'd say, yeah, I actually at this point I trust that they are seeing almost exactly what I'm seeing. Uh, I don't need to continue to do this. Yeah. But yeah, there there are going to be a few plays where you're like, you know what, I I, I can't fault the guy for it, or you know, there will be a penalty yeah. where it's like, I don't think that was a penalty, but they have to dock him for it a little. Although I think they do even adjust that. Anyway, John Miller. And I was going to say I've showed them plays before, also at PFF, and say, hey, um, I disagree on this. What'd you guys see? And actually, they've they've come to an agreement afterwards uh, after I show them something and say, oh yeah, you're right. Actually, we'll adjust. So yeah. that's what you want to see from, uh, you know. Something like that. They do have multiple rounds of review as well, but let's not let's let's go back to no, John Miller. No, we're talking to John Miller. John Miller right now. John Miller drafted out of the University of Louisville. You I think, think that helped bring him back to Cincinnati then? Louisville University? Which one is it? University Louisville. of Louisville. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I do. I was actually thinking about that. All these free agents seem to have ties to the Bengals organization, the new coaches, or the the city. Yeah, location. And and he, I mean, he's from Florida, but he did go yeah. to Louisville. So, I don't know. I don't know what the connection was. Uh, he, as a high school recruit, was the number 61 offensive lineman, hmm. according to GoCards.com. He's a three-star prospect. 84th best prospect in Florida, according to SunStateFlorida.com. Uh, he won a state title. 6A state title, whatever division that is in Florida, was an all-Dade County offensive lineman. I imagine Dade County has some good football. Oh, I imagine so. You know what I've been looking at lately since we've been doing this, and maybe the last 10 players or so? We will usually pull up the player, go on PFF, you know, to refresh our memory and, uh, you know, go over some grades and stuff. But I'm going to preseason grades with a lot of these guys because a lot of them were backups and played most of their snaps in preseason. When you go for John Miller – and you look at 2016 and 2017, he's got elite grades in pass protection for both of those four games there, 87.3 and 88. Now, what does that mean for preseason? I would probably digest that as um, not much of a, a scheme attacking, attacking him. They're not doing a lot of stunts, twists, and blitz and things like that. That's just man versus man, and he's winning. And um, at the very least, that tells you that he's going to beat up on some bad guys, and you're going to face some low-end competition often. I think it also, yeah, like you said, he he called he could also just be out there deeper in games, right? Like he sure. might have been fighting for a job, so he might have been getting yep. snaps against second team guys sometimes. And he's a four year NFL vet at that point. This was sixteen and seventeen, so year two, year oh, okay. three for him. Okay, yeah, but but yes, I do agree that he could have been out there because the one season it was one hundred forty four snaps or so, which is that's a lot. Uh, yeah, pretty significant. Yeah. So John Miller expected to upgrade the right guard position for the Bengals in 2019. They will have he he's one of like 13 offensive interior linemen on the roster. I didn't actually count. It's a lot. Uh, he he's the one with the surest starting spot. I guess Billy Price is a for sure starter too. Those two guys you can lock in. Left guard is a question. And the now left question. tackle. I think left tackle isn't much of a question. Well, that's what I mean. And now it is. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I misunderstood. Not that left tackle wasn't a question, but Cordy Glenn more. Talking than, more about the interior line, though, the only question is really a left guard. Will it be John Jerry, who we'll talk about sometime soon? Will it be Christian Westerman? Will it be insert 
interior offensive lineman on the Bengals, Trey Hopkins, sure. Jordan, Michael Jordan. Right. There's many. Yep. I forget what I was going to say about Miller. I had one other thing. Oh, is that um, while he grades better as a pass protector and less penalties, that's not the only thing I think he does well. When I watched him, and I posted a three- or four-minute video on The Athletic, it was on the run game when I did broke down the Rams' run game, and their one outside mid-zone, really, you can call it, uh, r- run play that they're going to use a lot, that the Bengals will probably use a lot. And then I, I put a bonus video at the end was John Miller versus the Bengals. I want to say that was 2016. It could have been 2017. But uh, I think it was 20, 2017. Anyways, Miller had a, had a decent game. And I posted all of the, the the snaps from that game on one video. And it, it tells I think that game represents and tells a story. At first I was watching it because I'm comfortable with the Bengals players get a good evaluation, right? But – I, I also posted it because I think it's a very good representation of his strengths and weaknesses and him being a big, powerful guy that can actually move a little bit makes him a decent run blocker trait-wise. One of his worst-graded games in 2017, which I'm – 2016, sorry, was against the Bengals, that game you're talking about. Maybe it was 2016 then. 2016, yeah. That's what I'm talking okay. about. I said 2017, so I wasn't sure, but I remember uh, – He only played four games in 2017. In yeah, 2016 – his second worst graded game came against the Bengals in week 11. He allowed three pressures and a hit on the quarterback. No penalties. Going against Geno Atkins. Yep. Doma Topeko, Pat Sims. Really? That, that was that recent? Oh, time flies. That's a good segue. We're going to talk about why time flies after the break. Joe, anything else on John Miller before we go there? No, that's it. I'm excited for him. I think I am too. It'll be, it'll be fun to see how he acclimates uh, in preseason. He's another big guy. All of the Bengals' defense, offensive linemen are going to be 310 plus. Especially now with Jonah not in the lineup. And with Clint Bowling out of the lineup, he was a svelte 305 or at least listed there. If it's John Jerry, you're going up to 340. If it's Christian mm-hmm. Westerman, you're going up to 315. Yeah, big boys. Big boys. Anyway, we'll be right back and we'll tell you why time goes faster as you age and then we'll probably talk some more about football. Anyway, stick around. This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car. That's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out. The nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? 
No, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with my bookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie, and when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. And we are back from break. It's good to hear your ears again. You're hearing my voice. I'm hearing your ears. Jake, you know what I'm talking about. Do I? So- Do you? <laughs> I've got some Kahlua in my coffee over here. Oh man, Joe's drinking Mike hard, Mike's hard lemonade and Kahlua coffee. This is what I'm dealing with. That That is a nice relaxer. I saw Spider-Man Far From Home today. Did you? Yeah. Was it good? No, I worked and then I came home. Oh, sucks for you. But no, um, yeah, it was good. It was it was real good actually. Uh, If you're a Spider-Man fan, I think Spider-Man Two, the original trilogy, Spider-Man Two is the best movie we got. I think this gets pretty close, man. Mysterio is such a good villain. Yeah, and Tobey Maguire is not a good Spider-Man. He's a great Peter Parker, though. Mm, fair enough. There's yeah, it was, it was hard. Difference. To, it was really hard to forget that it was Tobey Maguire when he put the mask on. You know. Yeah. Yep. And his build was too big. He was too stocky. I think. Yeah. I like a longer, lankier Spidey. Sure. Anyways, so we figured out said, why time goes fast. Exactly. There was a study. There's this is from a bustle.com article, but it was a study done by a psychologist. It was published in the Scientific American or or the European Review. I don't know. This is very confusing. There are many professors and academics involved. There are many journals involved. And essentially it's what Joe was talking about, where when you're a kid, you're learning a lot of stuff. And when you're learning things and processing new information, time slows down when you're an adult and you have more routine in your life there's less new information to process and thus time seems to move more quickly they do say that if you want if if time is moving too quickly for you it's probably because your life is is just settled into a routine right and if you want time to go to appear to go more slowly for you you just have to commit yourself to learning new things i don't know if that's true I feel like I do a lot of new stuff all the time in terms of learning and trying new things. I don't feel like there's enough time in the day. I feel like I'm on a 20-hour a day clock now. All right. So, football. I mean, I, I don't I I'm just reading the science here, right? Yeah, I guess I, I who am I to dis, dispute a bunch of uh journalistic reviews and scientific Scientific, scientific journal reviews, not journalistic. That's what I'm, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. That's why I tried to correct it on the second take there. There you go. Just edit out that first one for me, Jake, and we'll nope. move on. 
Okay. As if I edit this podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> or else or else this last five minutes wouldn't be here. Anyways, so football. Right. PFF had a ranking of this is for ESPN Insider. So if you're like us, you don't pay for that and we can cannot actually see it. But we did see the Bengals were ranked pretty low, and this was based on talent of the roster. Yes. I'm asking you. Yes. Where are they ranked? 27th 25th? or 25th? 25th. Hmm. I got to admit, my first reaction to that was that makes sense because I feel like more of and it wasn't. This isn't PFF. I'm, I think if if you asked any national pundit or analyst to rank the Bengals roster or the team, I think they'd put them in the bottom ten, easy, and maybe bottom five as the Bengals are here. Any and but so for PFF to do it. I wonder if that's a results-based grading thing where I, because I've said this plenty of times, I feel the Bengals were many of their players, most 50 of them were playing below our expectations for much Mm -hmm. of last year, if not for the last three years. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, and it was reflected in their grading, you can see it. And so I wonder if they now view somebody differently than we do, right? So we may view C.J. Uzama as he's a decent player. He's got some attributes. He's got some things we like about him. He's got some traits. But he's never really been a consistently good player, and PFF will, will represent that in our, in our grading. Uh, and I, I could also say, well, he's never been actually used or, or schemed for or used in a way that um, makes him look like a, a good player consistently. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he is that. But you know what I'm saying, Jake? So PFF would obviously have a lower opinion of someone like that like they have a low opinion of John Ross right now, and based on the, the production he has put on the field, then I think a Bengals fan would of looking at Ross and saying, no, he is, at least trait-wise, something that almost no third receiver in, in the AFC North has. In the AFC North, that's a pretty small scope of comparison. I know, but I'm not going to make an average listener to the podcast think of every... The, they did a top two wide receiver tandems, and they put... Green and Boyd up there, mm-hmm. but if it was a top three list, it pro- they'd probably knock that duo out of the top ten, probably because of John Ross and John Ross's grading. Where they might even put- try to include Tyler Eifert as a third. Fine, but I think a Bengals fan would say no. John Ross strengthens that trio when looking around the league. I know his production there. I know he's had, he had drops. I know he had issues. But you put John Ross on a lot of lot of receiving duos, and he say he's the third guy. You feel much more confident about that unit than replacing with anyone else on this roster. Yeah, maybe if he was a second round pick, right? Third, even whatever. Much different perception, exactly. And that's my point. the uh, The PFF article, the the only quote we have here, and this is on BengalsWire.usaToday.com. The biggest weakness was linebacker. Nick Vigil was the best-graded linebacker for the Bengals last year, 59.5. I talked about this yesterday. He hasn't graded well for Pro Football Focus. We've also talked about the fact that he has showed us all of the individual tools required to be a very good NFL linebacker, but he hasn't showed them all to us at the same time. He's the example of we're using then, I mean, of what I was just saying, too, on the defense. Right, so we feel comfortable with him being one of the three linebackers. I don't know about comfortable, but there's reason for optimism. I don't know if I'm comfortable with Nick Vigil as one of my if top Nick three If Nick Vigil is one of my top three, I'm okay. Top two. Right, because that's the truth, is it is two. And then I feel a little bit more shaky about it. 
if Nick Vigil's your third linebacker, yeah, but he's your first linebacker right now. I get that. And anyway, the optimism he, is that we think he could play. If he, he can put it all, it all together. together. Exactly. Right. The Bengals linebackers last year missed 40 tackles, which is a lot of tackles because this yeah. isn't just getting outrun to a point. This is, I tried to tackle a guy and failed. Right. To. <laughs> Cause or I, I, got, I, wonder how I got pushed off. Get to. Yeah. And they allowed nearly 1800 receiving yards on only 1300 combined coverage snaps. So the linebackers were bad. See, I think that's that is extremely result based. Yeah, but I, but I mean, the eye test last year would also tell you the linebackers were bad. I also would say they were get, well. There was a lot of backups out there, and, and they we were already bad. know this, we already know this is a bad unit. We I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. Okay, I think a bad unit was put in the worst situation for linebackers last year in the league. That is definitely so part of it. It made them the worst unit in the entire NFL. Hands but, but down. You can't I'm not say that like, I mean, you can say that here's a reason why they might be better next year, but you can't say that they were, they were anything other than the worst in the NFL last year, which is what I think you were getting to. Yeah. That's what I, I'm, I'm agreeing. They are the worst. They were the worst linebacker unit, but I also, then that's the point of the fan perspective or, or someone who hones in on a singular team as we do. Uh, versus maybe PFF here being very results-based, they look at it and say, worst linebacker unit in the league. We say, yes, worst linebacker in the unit league, but here's why. And they could tell us why too, but probably in different ways. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe let's write this down and talk about it with, you know, Mike if we have him back on the show or if we get, you know, Steve or any of those guys. Right. Because then I could say to them, okay, how many other teams – play middle of the field open as much as the Bengals or even close in that range by top third as much as the Bengals did. And maybe the teams that did it are teams that have like Luke Keekley and, exactly. and Leighton Vander Esch in the middle of the field and they're not getting gassed the same way. Exactly. Because you, you have the, the different cross. personnel that make it work. Yeah. Yep. I want to see the cross there of teams that wanted their linebackers in coverage versus teams that had good coverage linebackers. Right. And the Bengals were on the end of, we want our linebackers to be targeted but they're not good in coverage. Yeah, you could make one of those four-way grids with that. Uh, with that, I can't even wrap my mind. Those around. two axes. The one axis is, do I want them in? Right. <laughs> the other one is, are they good at? Right. And I think the Bengals are on the would be on the far range. There'd probably be a cluster of twenty-five teams, a bunch of outliers. The Bengals would be the one standing by themselves. In so the, the big, the big question is, Lou Anarumo. Right. Is there any reason to believe that a first-time defensive coordinator that has exclusively coached the secondary for most of his career can fix the linebackers? Mike Zimmer's history would tell you yes. Right. But is Lou Anarumo Mike Zimmer? Only time will tell. That's the hope. I, and we talked about Anarumo a little bit when we first finally got some uh, news on the defense or some talk chatter, I guess, uh, notes from camp. Yeah. And... My point was, I think I want a secondary coach to elevate into that position in today's game I, against I think, passing game. Yeah. And, I, and you convinced me that that makes sense. Especially, and then for linebackers, because our biggest issue has been, now they, they've been up and down and mixed results, I think, for the run game. But a large that largely, to me, is staying healthy and having the same three guys next to you or two guys next to you all the time. And just, a, like, playing and doing your job. Yeah, and that's part of it. When you've got a different linebacker next to you all the time, you don't trust that he's going to spill the guy to you, so you may jump in the hole next to him. Things that or, we definitely saw. Or your saw Montez perfect. 
right, and he went rogue plenty of times. So, and I think that caused the chain reaction, and it would cause a chain reaction if you couldn't trust your best or your leader of the defense, especially in the middle there, to do his job. Yeah. So I, my point is here, if you can get the coverage to be better, at the very least with this unit, we would feel so much better about him. I don't disagree with any of that. I am curious to see if Lou Anarumo can be the next Mike Zimmer of the NFL. I would love it. It'd be great. The It'd be article, huge. The article goes on to list the wide receiver duo that we talked about as the strength of the team. And they mention safeties. As wild cards. Jesse Bates in particular is the X factor. And right. I think, yeah, if, if Jesse Bates takes a step, now he's a top five safety. Yeah, because I think we've seen now the, the ceiling for Sean Williams. That's not a bad thing. I, some fans really don't like Sean Williams. Uh, we, I think we received we've questions about, about this. We've talked about Sean Williams. Yeah. And one of the questions was, why do people hate Sean exactly. Williams? And it was like, exactly well, I was going I, there. they do? Why? Right. I, that was my surprise, too. But I do get a lot of comments on Twitter of people um, that aren't big fans of Sean Williams or would like to see the Bengals upgrade from him. I think it, he is a, a strong starter, uh, at, for especially for a strong safety type. And uh, the upside, the growth, the room for improvement, drastic improvement at that position is Jesse Bates. I agree with them completely because yeah. if he does, not, that's not saying Bates is bad and needs to improve. What it he's means very is, good already. And if he takes right. a step as a second-year player, and he's a young guy, too. Exactly. If that's his floor last year, look out. This guy could be really, really good. And there's every reason to believe that's his floor. Exactly. So that's, that's what we're saying. We've seen the ceiling of, of Williams, and we're okay with that. If you get the uh, an extended or very high ceiling for Bates, this is a really good unit back there. Yeah. So we'll take a look at next year's top safety duos, and we'll see if the Bengals cracked the list. They didn't this year. No. There's some good ones in the league, though. It makes sense. Harrison Smith and, and his running mate in Minnesota, whose name yeah, I can't remember mate. now. Good one. It's just Harrison Smith and a guy. Anthony Harris. Five. Yeah, Anthony his name? Harris. That's right. Anyway, we're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back. I have one trivia question for you, Joe. Ooh, I'm so excited. You never hit me with the trivia. I hit our fans with trivia. Never me, though, Jake. Yeah, it's because I save it for when you're not here and I need to spice things <laughs> up. Oh, great. Bluetooth.com. Yeah, there you go. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't want to do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win. And the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, 
I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. Welcome back to segment three of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It is July 3rd. There's 67 days until the kickoff of the regular season. Joe pointed out that the preseason, of course, kicks off much sooner than that. We're going to be counting down guys as they're getting cut, as they're playing in preseason games. But before we get to any I other football talk, oh, you want the to... Hall of Fame game is less than 30 days now. It might be 29. Yeah, it's very early. The Hall of Fame game is such a weird thing. All those guys have to play an extra game. Yeah, and they want the starters to play. Yeah, so it's just so kind of like that's their that's their game number one, and game number five ends so much sooner for them. You know, they, I, you know what I'm saying? The, yeah, they don't they don't play anybody in game five. Not right, that they would. I, I think they also take. They they don't play for two of the games. They'll, they get to start camp earlier too and get extra practice, right? I don't know. I, There's I think, a trade off there. I think they take. Uh, I think they maybe don't play the second game, or maybe they go out and play a drive the second game. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'll play a drive in the Hall of Fame game and then maybe a drive or two in the second. Because their second game is everyone else's first game and they want to yeah. get their guys out there for the 1v1s in the third game. Yeah. Yeah. So the trivia question, Joe, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Rank these tight ends in order of receiving yards in 2018. Okay. CJ Uzama, Chris Herndon, Jesse James, Ben Watson. Jeez. I'm going to go Ben Watson, number one. Okay. I'm going to go Herndon, number two, Jesse James, number three, and then Uzama, number four. All right. So between... Your reaction's already telling me I'm completely off. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not... You're a little bit off. So Ben Watson was last amongst these four. Okay, so, I, I was so, going in. That's what I meant. He's number four. Uzama's number one. I was uh, yeah. So Chris uh, Herndon was number one. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Uzama was number two. It was Herndon five hundred two, Uzama four thirty nine, Jesse James four twenty three, and Ben Watson four hundred. Oh, so they're all real close. They're they're bundled together. Mm. But I would not have thought that Uzama had more yards than James and Watson, and I did not know that Herndon had over five hundred yards. But I don't pay attention to the Jets, so that's not surprising. I think they like him now. Why would you pay attention to the Jets? My, I have an uncle. Uncle Michael. He doesn't listen to the podcast, but he's a Jets fan. Lives mm. with his family in New Jersey. And we, we played Madden together when I was growing up. He, he was a Jets fan. So when you were growing up, he was playing with the Jets. It was um, Chad Pennington as his quarterback. I don't remember. Come on, man. I don't remember what years we played. I'm trying to get uh, trivia. Anyways. Um, okay. Oh. Yeah, the Jets. Sam Darnold is a reason to pay attention, right? If he's good yeah. and you do, they're good. And the Jets might win a Super Bowl for the first time ever? Question mark. Did, have they won one? They're one of the teams that hasn't, right? No, man. Come on. Joe Namath. Beat the yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know he won one. I knew he went to one. We watched that this year. I want to say right around, yeah, and it had to be in February. The week before the Super Bowl, they play all the old ones on NFL Network. My son and I watched mm. uh, Colts Jets. There you go. That's why Joe's a better NFL historian than I am. I don't know if that's true. I think it's true. Yeah? 
I know Green Bay's won a lot of Super Bowls. Pittsburgh's I had this won a lot of Super Bowls. As a kid, that had all of the Super Bowl tickets in it. You know, tickets. replicas. Yeah, yeah, right. but uh, you know, had the score out, out around the ten. I remember looking at it as a kid and being like, "What the Vikings? They've been the four and they never won one, or the, you know, I think it's been four, or was the championship games was four. Anyways, they, the Vikings, and a couple other teams were teams I kept looking at and thinking they've never won a Super Bowl all yeah. these years. I thought the NFL was so much older than it was. This is me as a seven year old, so twenty five yeah. years ago, that's half the Super Bowls almost. Yeah, the NFL is not very old. It it was it was two leagues, right? Yeah, AFL, AFL. just like the ABA. Uh, I had a Wheaties box that had all the Super Bowl champions along the outside of it. They were mm. on the back of a Wheaties box. My parents are, are packing up the Cincinnati house too, and they found some other old Wheaties boxes. So they're moving them, for sure. At some point. Oh, okay. It's not imminent. Um, but they, they, they have a, a couple of Ken Griffey Jr.'s Wheaties boxes. And you know what? People mm. will buy old vintage Wheaties boxes. Oh, yeah. Flutie Flakes. When Doug Flutie was the uh, doing his magic for half a season for the Buffalo Bills, that was all the rage around yeah. here. People still you sit, they go to go to a friend's house or a co-worker's house, they'll have a box of Flutie Flakes in their garage. There were the, the Joey Vatos, the, the O. Ah. Cheerio kind of thing. Makes sense. Yeah. You know, that's a weird <laughs> story, the Bills one, though. Flutie, Doug Flutie, this is like 99, 2000, right? So Jim Kelly just retires, like 98, 97 in that range. You know, obviously Hall of Fame career, long success for the Bills, at least four Super Bowls in a row without winning one. But um, they have a year or two down, and they're somehow getting back into it. They trade a second-round pick, I think, believe it is, for Rob Johnson, uh, was the backup for the Jags, I want to say. And then Doug Flutie takes over. Here's a guy who played in the CFL and won Heisman, obviously, with Boston College and was in and out of the league and never really had a career, but took over for Rob Johnson after Johnson may have been hurt or wasn't performing well. I can't remember exactly. I was a kid. But uh, Flutie goes nuts and is having a great year for them. And they get into the playoffs. Wade Phillips is the head coach. And in the playoffs, they say, we're going to start Rob Johnson. And they lose, I believe that's the Music City Miracle to the Tennessee Titans that go on to play the Rams in the Super Bowl. Hmm. Imagine was, that. Was the Music City Miracle, wasn't that like, wasn't there some, con- the, the the conspiracy or whatever yeah. that was actually a forward pass? Yeah, do you remember that? Right. So the Bills take the lead. There's just a handful of seconds left. They kick it off. The, uh, the Titans run to the right, stop, throw the ball all the way back to the left. I believe it's Kevin Dyson catches it and takes it all the way on the kickoff to win the game. And, it, of course, that was dissected for years of this was a forward pass. It went. They use computers and all this stuff, and it barely is a backwards pass, just by a, a hair. Oh, it is a backwards pass. We know that it for is. a fact. Parallel is also considered a backwards yeah. pass. Well, it's sideways or whatever. Right? Yeah, not parallel. Well, there's got to be a word for that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a word for it. I'm it's just sure not coming is. to me. I'm sure there is. Adjacent? No. To the goal line? Uh, did you know that Koi Bacon played for the Bengals for a year? We talked about Koi Bacon. Yeah. Did, it, did you mean it, the Bengals or did you mean he played somewhere else? Uh, play for the Bengals. He, the, I, I was just looking through Bengals trivia questions. You, do you remember who the Bengals traded for? No. Charlie Joyner. Really? Yeah. 
to San Diego. Yeah. He uh, made the Hall of Fame, Charlie yes. Trainer? Okay. And the reason that I bring this up is because there's talk of them going to an extended veterans or, or, or whatever it's called. That they're expanding the Football Hall of Fame guys, the Ken Anderson, this group. Right, the legacy about? guys legacy, or whatever, yeah, it's, whatever called. it's called. They're, they're talking about expanding, expanding it to 10 guys uh, for, for the anniversary year or whatever. Ah, that's his chance. And so they're saying Ken Anderson will get in maybe. That'll be his chance. And, and Coy Bacon. Finally I can't imagine. I would love to see a list. Someone's probably have, has published this. The ten best of the legacy guys. So a, after oh, yeah. what is it, twenty five years, you go into this other pool of older guys that are really good, not in, and they'll debate and they'll take one of them each year if they get enough votes. I believe it is. Um, so I, I'd have to. I'd love to see the ten best of that list. There's no way Ken Anderson doesn't get in if that happens. I, I think if they go to ten, yeah, he'll definitely get in. That'd be awesome. Yep, I agree. I got nothing else, Joe. Only thing I also had was, and I'll wrap this quick because I think it's negative and I think it's uh, it's unnecessary. But oh, I'm, where's this from? I, there's a ranking, a quantitative Emory. analysis. Emory yes, University. Emory University. This guy's name is Michael Lewis. He's Marvin Lewis's brother. That's why. Now I know. Oh why. yeah, there you go. <laughs> they got the Bengals ranked as a bottom five fan base and he says this is a quantitative analysis but he also will go on to say this will shed light on the questions of which teams have the most loyal or best fans but as jake pointed out as we were going over this before the show it's basically who's willing to blindly spend money on their team despite results and the Bengals aren't one of them apparently which i i don't know what that means i mean i agree with that if that makes you a bad fan then bat it up is that wait yeah I mean, especially when it's a, a lot of fans in Cincinnati. I mean, we, we posed a question the other day on Twitter. Would, would you be interested in, in a Lockdown Bengals meetup? And I think like yeah. 80 people were into it. Yeah. Um, but there are a few people who are like, I would love to, but I'm not giving Mike Brown any money. You which, know what? I got messages right after, too, of people that said they didn't want to do that, but they're considering going to the Bills game. In Buffalo, and would I meet up then? Because then they're not giving Mike Brown money. Technically, you still are because of revenue yeah. sharing. Uh, a few people asked the same about Seattle, and I'm yeah. thinking about going to that game just because it's in my neighborhood. And week one, that'd probably be awesome. Yeah, but uh, do I want to go to Seattle to watch the Bengals get stomped in week one? I'm not supposed yes. to say that, am I? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the uh, the there are a couple things about that. One. You don't have to go to the game if you want to come hang out with us. And two, um, we we can. Uh, I, I think that speaks to the reason that a lot of Bengals fans don't like to go to the games is because it's their way of of protesting ownership. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think that there's such a. I don't think that relationship between ownership and fans exists very very many places in sports the way it does in Cincinnati with the Bengals. No, it doesn't last long if it does normally. Yes. If you get that, it only lasts a handful to maybe 10 years, not 30. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird in Cincinnati. Very weird yeah. in Cincinnati. Because normally something happens. <laughs> Someone gives, yeah. either the city or the ownership. And you could argue that the city's kind of been given the last few years. Well, sure. I just mean in the other way. The city would revolt, I guess, rather Well, that's than... what I mean. Like, they're not oh. going to the games. Right, right, right. I thought you meant give, as in, you know, the Hamilton County deal and stuff no. like that. They gave a little too much for that. 
But the, the, at the same time, the, you know, they're not going to the games. But at this point, the NFL, you actually don't need to sell out your games at all. You don't. And we, we get to watch them. So there's no blackout rule anymore. Remember no that? Blackout. Remember those days? I do. Anyway, that's probably it, eh? That's it. There's a Canadian hey. A for you. I if heard you're listening it. to this on the 4th of July and you're celebrating the 4th of July, happy 4th of July to you. Have a cold one for me. Enjoy the fireworks. If you have fireworks, they're great in Cincinnati, but I think they're great in Cincinnati for Labor Day? Memorial Day? I can't remember. Which of those is the later one? I don't know. I'm bad at holidays. And if you're a veteran and the fireworks mess you up, then I hope you have a good night. Fair point. On that note, that'll do it for this edition of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow for a another number in the Countdown to Kickoff series and the weekend mailbag. Get your questions in. We'll put a reminder out there on Twitter. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wildcard exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason. Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.